Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. A star attraction. The one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. Hello, everyone. It's Tuesday, which means it's a new episode of Kill Me Now. I've never said that before, that we, we drop on Tuesdays. I drop pretty much all the fucking time because I'm so fucking tired. I'm very excited about our guest today, and not because he's funny, and not because, you know, he's gay. It's it's none of these things that you think I'm going to be excited to talk to him for. I don't know what that sentence was, but he'll correct me because he's a teacher. He is a fucking teacher. I come from a family of teachers. No job I respect more than teaching the intersection, which is a word I fucking hate, but I'm going to say it anyway, of teaching and comedy is so amazing. Like people, I don't think people realize that our next act, act, I'm not on stage. Our, ne- our guest would not be as great of a comedian as he is if he wasn't a teacher. And great comedians are teachers. And my hair looks like shit. And I'm going to tell you why in just a few minutes, but you're listening so you don't see that my hair looks like shit, but check your Instagram. My hair looks like fucking shit. On one side, it's completely flat. And then the other side, it's all like, hey, what's going on? I'm not kidding. It's like a total psycho. This part is like depressed. I'm like bipolar. My hair is bipolar. Oh God, everyone who's bipolar, um, I'm really sorry. Um, Don't cancel me. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only... Wait, I'm going to say his full name. Joseph Bernard Dombrowski. Oh, she went back into the vault. You went, I went back in the to vault. Dig it up. the vault. I love it. Joe Dombrowski. Before we begin, I just want to um, complain. You know, it's called Kill Me Now because basically I say Kill Me Now about 600 times a day. And, you know, the other day, one of my sons said to me, we were talking about something. He's like, yeah, I know. I want to kill myself. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I've done a really good job. So See, my, um, my kill me now is I always say I just want to drink a gallon of bleach. And someone tried to come for me for it the other right. day. And I was like, you don't know how almost serious I am. Right, 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 right. <laughs> People don't get it. They don't right. work in comedy. We're recording this on a Friday, the Friday of my son's 25th birthday, my older son. I on Wednesday, I worked 15 hours, then got driven to the airport and took a red eye home from L.A. I'm look, I'm not complaining. I'm happy to be working. I took a red eye and I got off the plane and all I was doing on the plane was like I had a good seat. Right. I'm not complaining about my seat, but I am six foot two. I'm all legs. I can't even with the flatbed. It doesn't work because there's a fucking I can't. Yes, I'm complaining. Yes. So I didn't really sleep. Plus I have this, like, here's the thing. Like I, I mean, it's the red eye. It was leaving at 1 a.m. And I was still like, oh, well, I get food. Like I wasn't even hungry. Right. But they were giving the food. So I'm like, I'll have a panini. And it sucked. And I was eating it. And I was like, I don't even want this. But it was like they're serving food and I'm taking it. So anyway, I got off the plane. I realized my phone wasn't. With me, I was sitting on the carousel and the whole time I was dreaming. All right, you know what? 
I'm going to go home. I have two hours I can sleep before I go to New Jersey for another day, right? Mm -hmm. Grateful, hashtag grateful. I sit on the carousel, right? And I'm like, oh, I'll text the driver, not my own driver. I call the fucking car service assholes and just let them know, you know, I landed. And there's no phone in my bag. And it's just like, no, no, I like checked. I even helped the woman in front of me drop her wallet. I was like, oh, you dropped her wallet. Like, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I go into the, you know, the baggage thing where you have there. I tried to go back up to the gate and they were like, no, right. you can't go. I'm like, no, please no. And then, the, you know, this tears will begin. I can't cry over like, you know, oh, I'm feeling sad today. That won't ever happen. But I can cry if I lose my keys or my phone. So, cause I'm really healthy. So I go into the baggage area where I've been many times. I'll just say at JFK, I've been there multiple times in my life. As you know, you travel, you know, so I go in and it's just like, it just starts. Cause I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. I, I left my phone on the plane and, um, Oh my God, I never do this. I just can't believe it. She's like, don't worry. I mean, like so nice. And I'm, and she's like, We're, we'll call the gate. And I'm like, faster, faster. You're not dialing fast. Like it was like, you know what I mean? Yes. I'm like, yes. You don't understand. I have to go to sleep. I only have it. Now I'm down to an hour and a half. So she's like, they're not answering. And then this other girl comes in, this woman. Well, she's a girl because I'm 58. So everyone's a girl. So she comes in and she says, um, we need to get our luggage off the plane because my aunt died. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And for a minute, like, I was like, OK, death, lost phone. You know, like I did that thing. Which is death. Right. So then that I was like, oh, OK, this is a sign. And then after, like, maybe 45 seconds, I was like, Fuck! I don't care. I don't care. Maybe she was sick. Maybe that, you know, like as long as she didn't die on the plane. And Maybe she, she was a even, bad person. Right. She wasn't even crying. So it's like, so then I went back to crying about my phone. So then I have to go wait for the person. She's taking too long. I think she's never coming back. I literally, if I could show you my phone, I pressed find my iPhone so she would find it on the plane. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Did she find it? Well, she eventually found it. And she's like, oh, it was ringing and I wanted to pick it up. But, I, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. <laughs> and so that was my kill me now moment of this week. And then I call Elisa, my lover, and she's like, Judy, you always leave something. I'm like, I don't always leave something. But I kind of. Like, I've done this a million times. And, 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 you know, when you travel all the time, you forget, like, oh, where am I going? Okay, because you've put your phone Always. in your bag so many times, you think you put your phone in your bag. Okay, you, know you I mean? said something that made me think that we're very similar on this. You said when you were talking to the gate agent, you're like, I only have an hour and a half to sleep. Do you count your days as in a how long I have to sleep? Because I oh, definitely do. It's all about how long I have to sleep and food. Oh, 100%. And and what drives me nuts is I'm done with the show and I just want to eat something and all that's open is like a friggin' Bojangles and maybe oh, a can. Wendy's. It's, well, I, you're, it's, you, you know, that's the problem about where you live. You know, I'm in New York, so as you know. Um, but no, I'm just saying, like, yeah, when I'm on the road, 
Like people don't realize after your show, you're fucking starving. Yeah. And it's and it's it, it's 11 o'clock at night or whatever it is. It's your dinner time. It is my dinner time. I just this is this is my unwind and there's nothing for my unwind. There's not right. even good shows on right now. It's right. like, just let me be. OK, don't complain about good shows because you're 14 and you have streaming services, which I didn't have. OK, so shut the fuck up. All right. Uh, I'm 12, Judy. Okay, sorry. I hope you get. <laughs> I, hope t- I hope you get your period soon. All right. So, Joseph Bernard Dombrowski. Like I, I don't know if you've ever listened to my podcast. I doubt it. But I do a lot of research on my guests, and you're a fucking hard egg to crack. Okay. What'd you get, but, babe? I, I got. I got some things. I got that your mother's name is Fran. Your father's name is Ronald. Sure did. Yeah, yeah. you're on the right track. That's right. Well, everyone knows because you have a podcast with your mother that your mom said, does everyone know your father's name is Ronald? I think they might. Oh, they fuck might. You. Okay. You're Michigan born and bred. That's right. Your parents, thank God, are older than me. They thank are. Thank the Lord that they are older than me because I can't with the interviewing people who I could be their parents. <laughs> okay. Um, born, you were born May 1st, 1989. Wrong. You were born not May 1st, 19. What the fuck is that? You're one day off, April 30th, 1989. You did- fuck. <laughs> we, we were doing great. You know what? I'll give it to you. Either way was still a Taurus. So there you go. Right. Okay. Here's the thing. Hit You're me. an only child. Painfully no? only. Painfully, yes, painfully only, only child. child. So you grew up. We always start at the very beginning. It's a very, very good, good place, place to, to start. start. Very, all right. One so of you, the first shows that I ever did, actually. Really? Friedrich von Trapp in the flesh. Wow. Right here. Yeah, community theater, babe. It's too bad that you don't remember my bit. From uh, I used to do a bit, which I think the listeners who know my old material will know that I used to stand. <laughs> I could still do it. I used to stand on stage in front of the curtain, you know, and in the middle of my set go, the Von Trapp family singers. <laughs> yep. The family Von Trapp. And then look at my watch and be like, they're coming, they're coming. And then go back to my act and then do it again in five minutes. I used to do that throughout my act. I love it. Um, but I haven't done that in a while and I might do it again. Okay. Bring it out. So- Bring it back. So you were born in Michigan. You are an only child of two parents. Do you um, do you know why you're the only child? So I was not meant to be. Right. I was not meant to be. There was there was one that didn't make it shortly right. after. Oh, I'm shortly. glad I could bring that up. And no, um, no, it's all good. It's all it's open. It's out there. But yeah, um, we said that it was kind of a not a terrible thing because I'm pretty sure that I would have just eaten that that sibling alive. Right, right. Were you born in Royal Oak, Michigan? No, I was actually born in Detroit. That's right. I have that from Detroit. Now, this is the funny thing. I, when I, when I started like coming up in the Detroit scene, a lot of it was in Royal Oak, which is where I was living at the time. So people started to say, you're not from Detroit. And I was like, check my birth certificate, bitch. Like, I think I know my life. Yeah. So you were born in Detroit. When I got to say something. Hit me. I love Detroit. I love. Thank you. Detroit. I've always loved Detroit. 
Of course, I know a lot of people in Bloomfield Hills. Is that? Yeah, the, yeah uh, you do. Or West Bloomfield. West Bloomfield. Which is where I actually, my first teaching job was in West Bloomfield. And I was like, can we get like all of Yom Kippur off? You do get all of Yom Kippur off because it's only a day. Okay. Now, um, there are also a lot of Holocaust survivors there. And there was an ACLU march that was going to happen there that ended up, or no, that was in, um, that was in, no, that was somewhere else um, that they were going to let Nazis walk through, but that was somewhere else that was not in. Detroit. But anyway, Detroit is a great city. And now it's like the food paradise, right? Yes, yes, it is. And people are buying, yeah, people are buying uh, land there. And it's where Motown started. It's where the cars were. It's a fucking great city. I got a crazy fact for you. So there's this, it's a, it's considered like a rare gem, but it's not at all. But what it is, is it's actually chunks of paint from a, like a f- one of the car factories and there's layers and layers and layers of all different colors and they take the chunks and they polish it and it's like this awesome really cool piece that they put in a jewelry and stuff only comes out of Detroit only comes from the old car factories and it's considered like a precious gem what about Shinola Shinola oh, watches you want me to go grab mine like I want to get I got, one so bad. Oh, you have to do it. I I love my Shinola watches. The Shinola Hotel is to die for. Next time you're in Detroit, that's where you're staying. What is that? Can I just say something though? Yeah, say it. Say these, it. these companies that like you make watches and then you open a fucking hotel. It's like, you know what I mean? And it's also like that Margaritaville song. It's a fucking song, and now he's a no, multi-billionaire because it's, it's a fucking spa restaurant resort, you know? Isn't it what this one? It's really it's it's kitsch boutique chic. Right. It's very Detroit too. It's very right. they like That's pay homage to the city, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And okay. great food. There's an amazing restaurant underneath. And you better be on time for your reservation. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that was a watch joke, people. So um, this is how this is how I conduct my interviews when I've had no sleep. You know I love my liquid IV. That I drink liquid IV pretty much every day, and I love it because it keeps me hydrated. I travel with it because it's in little packets. It tastes great. It's an amazing product. It hydrates better than water alone, three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks, eight vitamins and nutrients, non-GMO. But here's the best part. You know, I've been bragging about Ben, my son, Ben, who plays basketball. His team, his entire team, they love Liquid IV. I mean, they are number four in the nation. They are an amazing team. They've done better than ever this year. Dare I say it's because of the Liquid IV? I'm not going to say for sure, but I'm telling you, these athletes love liquid IV. They love all the flavors, strawberry, lemonade. I love the watermelon. I never give them any of my watermelon. They have sugar-free, white peach, green grape, lemon, lime. It makes you feel great. And if you need a little caffeine, the the, uh, lemon ginger is beyond, beyond. And I know they use it while they're working out. I'm pretty sure they might use it after a game that they won and went out and had, you know, a couple of drinky poos. But that being said, I love Liquid IV. They're a great sponsor. They're a great product. And I honestly couldn't live without them. And it's winter still. 
you need to be hydrated. Hydration is very important. So weekends are for going wild, as you all know. Have a game plan for Monday. That's what you need. I just had this conversation with Ben's girlfriend. I said, if you're going to go out and party, you need a game plan. And what's your game plan? Liquid IV. Weekends are for going wild. Have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at liquidiv.com. You're welcome! So you're an only child. Your parents both work, correct? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, you go to public school? I started at private Catholic school until third grade, and it was a real, a real treat. A real there was no hiding me gay ever. Right. So right, right. there were times, this is true. I was actually put in the coat closet. My desk was moved into the coat closet for about a week. And there's like no rhyme or reason other and than I was in fabulous. This is at Catholic school. So they put you in the closet. Put me so in. That's put great. Me, I know. I know. Two more weeks so than you, I ever needed to be you in ba- there. You uh, came out of the closet in third grade. Good night, folks. I, God damn it. I'm on fire. So who, wait, what, why did you get put in the closet? I was a lot, but mm-hmm. not in a bad way. I was just an extroverted kid and right. was was fabulous. I was. Of fabulous. course. And there was like my cousins all say we knew you were gay when you were born. Right. right? So looking back on this, these situations and, in retrospect, it was yeah. because they just couldn't take it. Right. But also two things about that. You were gay when you were born. And yep. number one and number two. So these are nuns that put you in the closet. They were not nuns. There was only one nun, and I did not have her as a teacher. These were and just- was she uh, a lessie? They're all lessies. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. They're all lessies fingering each other. I'm telling you. All of them. Scissor me timbers up yeah. and down that place. It was wild. Were you into the- Like, were you into being Catholic? Like, first of all, for a, for a gay kid, I would think, you know, the dressing up and the, you know, the incense and all that shit. Like uh, that would be like, oh, I want to like in the beginning. In the beginning. And okay. the, the what am I called? The pageantry would the- be like something you'd be into. And then you realize, oh, fuck, I don't. This is crazy. But yeah, was my it- very first time three being a theatrical human. I played a shepherd in the nativity scene at church. I swear to God, everybody's jaw dropped because I strutted down with my like shepherd staff and my robe down the aisle, just like I was on RuPaul's Drag Race. Like just, it was like, right, right, right. and everyone's like, he has to go. And I, I, I remember feeling it even, you know, but just feeling but like you me. were different. Oh yeah. Totally it, ostracized. Like- Right. Same. But I feel like sometimes that feeling that you were feeling is because, you know, people don't realize we're born this way. Mm-hmm. We feel differently than other people, but we don't know what it is until we go through puberty. Like it, yep. that's what people don't realize. So for those years where you're like, wait, wait, what? 
And then you go, oh, you know, it's a lonely place to be and you need to be in the coat closet. And you're so was it a co-ed Catholic school? It was a co-ed Catholic school, uh, co-ed everything except for gym. And it was it was highly, highly, highly underfunded, the school. Right. Too. So uh, every day just trying to like navigate it was I I never felt comfortable there right. ever, ever. But you know, my parents both went through Catholic school their entire life. They just thought they were doing what we do in that side of the world. Right. Was either of your parents into the Catholic religion, one of them more than the other or both or? We were bad Catholics. All right. Bad, that's always, to know. you know, you know, like ate meat during Lent, like did the whole thing, but they just kind of like went on to it in their heteronormative lives that they didn't right. know anything other than that. But the cool thing was, like shit started to get bad. Like it started to get really uncomfortable. And a public elementary school was built literally in our backyard. And they were like, not only is this convenient, but all the kids in the neighborhood will go to this school. Let's try it. Right. And then you'll be, you'll have friends in the hood. But yep. what do you remember most about being a Catholic? Christmas. That's it? <laughs> just just being over the top. Like did and- you had a uniform, right? Oh yeah, I had a uniform. It was always a mess. I always you, get in trouble for not wearing a belt because I'm like right. riddled with ADHD too. Oh, so I well, was duh. never. I know right. I, I, you have to, but I remember that. I remember I was in trouble all the time, but I wasn't a bad kid. Like right, I was a right, people right. pleaser, and and even at that time, I realize it now. I was trying to be funny as the deflection as right, a lot right, of gay right. comics. One hundred percent. Yeah, as a teacher. I just have this question because I've had this with many parents. What do you think is better? Uniform or no uniform? God, God. I, uh, I've taught in both, both situations and sometimes at a very young age, it's kind of nice to have a little bit of not realizing what's going on. Yeah. Right. But I do see beauty in like when, you're a little bit older in the creative expression of like being who you just are. But even then it's kind of like, are you really who you are? Like who's buying these clothes? It's not right. You. Right. Right. No, no, no. So I just, I've noticed the differences too. And it's just kind of like, I don't really know. I can't say that one is better or one is worse. It really matters on where you're at. Like public school, a lot of the times seeing that difference in, uh, in socioeconomic. Yeah. Is, is, detrimental to a lot right. of people. And the crime in this country is the fact that public education funding is just wrong. And you have these schools right next to an underprivileged school that are just booming and have everything they need. And those kids go to school with the same kids in the same right. community. It's like, what the hell's happening? Yeah. I, you know, I, for many different reasons, I have multiple opinions on it. I mean, you know, I was six feet at 13. I never had the same clothes. My mother had to make my clothes. I couldn't mm-hmm. buy shoes. They didn't have my shoe size. You know, like, so for someone with an odd body, it's really hard. But it's true, the socioeconomic. And then also being a parent and, like, having to fuck. Well, I had boys. But I can't even imagine, you know, having to deal with that kind of you know, pressure and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. But then I hate uniforms because like, whatever. Uniformity, so. yeah. The best time was uh, when I taught kindergarten 
it was the best when they were all uniformed because right. kindergarten parents are always buying these nonsense yes. clothes that have like toys built in. Right, like right, right. Big fluffy things or like mermaid sequins that go both ways. Right. It's like, I don't need them distracted by anything else. Right. Please. So it worked out really well there. Um, so you go to public school. Are you popular? Almost instantly. My mom said that the first day that I came home from public school, she said it was like the Wizard of Oz where everything changed to color. And I was right. just, she could like see the happiness and the creativity. And uh, that was third grade when I started public school. And that was my very first set. I was a stand-up comic for my third grade talent show that year. And what, um, so that's 1996, maybe seven? Yeah. Um, no, oh, 89 and uh, 1997. Okay. So you do stand up. Do you remember? Yeah, I stole all my bits. I okay, stole all my ahead. bits. So a couple things here. Grew up in a comedy family. Specifically was just drawn to a lot of lesbian comics. Like my mom, you'll find this interesting, in the house all the time was the Rosie O'Donnell show. Always. I, do you know why... I do know that. Yes. I'm sorry. Yep. Are those my Emmys from the Rosie O'Donnell show right there? Okay. Where are they ahead. at? Where are they at? They're right there. Yeah. They're right there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wait, All I the can't. time. I, I specifically one time remember we were watching the show. Um, we would drive down to Disney World and there was a car, a TV in our van, right. you know, those big TVs. And we were watching uh, the Rosie show with Tom Cruise and everything. Yeah, yeah. And my mom was just cracking up, rewinding, watching these jokes over and over. Grew up watching Ellen's set which was the biggest full circle thing ever. And then Kathy Griffin was one of the first acts that I saw live. My parents took me to see her when I was very little. She was Uh pretty clean at the time. And she did these bits on like combing Barbie's hair between her legs and the head falling off. And we were just, I was so drawn to like powerful women in comedy that I wanted to emulate that. So I was a little sassy, a little doing my thing, but all my jokes I stole from a magician in town. Yes. And then I just twisted them to kind of like make them my own a little bit, but had no idea that you don't do that. It was the first thing I ever did. And I was eight. I was eight. So, uh, but it was cool. And it's crazy to watch the footage back. My, My goal is, so I walk on stage and I, the first thing I say, I'm in a suit. I made my mom get a suit for me. And I walk out in the suit and I say, hi, I'm Joey Dombrowski and I'm going to be your comedian for the night. And what I want is for my first special, I want it to be that footage that fades into me. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I really want that. Okay. That's very good. I love that idea. That's so funny about the Rosie show. And, you know, they just did an article in New York Magazine about it because it's 25 years old. And uh, was it Vulture? It might have been Vulture. But... um, I, I, I was quoted because I often would say if everyone, if, the, if everyone in the country knew that this is a show being put on by a bunch of gay people and their friends and their allies, like it could change the world, you know, yeah. and it, it was it was a phenomenon and it was gay kids. That it was such a great, it was really what one of the happiest times of my life. I had so much fun. Really um, cool to watch too. And another full circle moment, Rosie, Cat in the Hat and Susical, me, Cat in the yeah. Hat, my high school musical. Oh my so God. I was, I was and, like, and it rhymes. There we so go. So it's interesting being a 
a gay kid, a flamboyant gay kid going to public school in the late 90s and being accepted because this is this is the first time this is happening anywhere at any time in this country. You realize how lucky you are Um, and having parents who accept you. And I mean, did you ever have to come out to them or was. Yep. It was this. It wasn't. It it took years to be sunshine right. and rainbows, what it is today. You know, right. they, you know, definitely were, it was ingrained in them because of their Catholicism. Right, 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 right. Bad. So they were protecting me from going to hell and like didn't want this for right. me. So it took a lot of explaining and, and uh, my uncle is gay, my mom's brother. Right. So us and they knew that. Together, they did know that. And we had very different experiences, but uh, kind of, seeing that he's okay in the world and I will too. It was just all fear. It was fear. It it is fear because, you know, and I've talked about this a lot on the show, you know, like the choice was be ostracized, lose, not be unemployable, lose your family, die for most, so many of my friends. It was like, you know, the AIDS crisis really, no one could hide anymore. I mean, it was really a catalyst for, for where we are today. Right. Um, But, you know, a lot of people of that generation thought it was going to be a horrible, sad life, you know, a lonely Mm -hmm. life. And it's not. And, you know, you're really, really lucky. You're really lucky that you were born when you were born. And I I, hope I think that all the time. I think it all the time. And I hope that you tell your friends who are gay that because I feel like a lot of young gay men and women, but mostly men don't appreciate the, you know, the shoulders that they're standing on of so many amazing people who are dead because of this horrible plague and they're not safe. And it really pisses me off. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's like, Oh, I'll just take prep or whatever the fuck it is and do whatever I want. No, no, look at, go look at the AIDS Memorial Instagram page. I check it every day. You see what the world, you don't have no idea how many people we lost. So you need to share that message because it really bothers me. Okay. So you're very popular. And also, I don't think if you were a lezzy, mm-hmm. you would have been popular like that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. I think that there was definitely just like weird shit still going on at that time. Right. And just like you said too, this is kind of like the first time that like kids being out in high school is like a thing. Right. And you know, there was definite, the, the craziest part is that my circle was all fine with this too. But then there right. were still pockets. I, I went to school. I graduated with almost 2000 kids in my class. Right. Like it was wow. nuts. Yeah. So there were haters who would try to say some shit or start some shit. But these band of friends would do all the counteracting for me, which I also realize is a huge privilege because this was also the first time that other students feel like what he is is fine and fuck you. Right, and fuck you, yeah, right. Which was, yeah, well, which was did cool. You, so the people who were your, you know, your allies there, was it male and female? Predominantly female. Yeah, that's what for I sure, Yeah, For sure, obviously. But I did have two very good, close, straight guy friends who were definitely straight, but met through theater. And 
they also didn't give a fuck and they would come right. come to bat too and they saw it right away, which I was super grateful for. Now, it's kind of weird because I still have this, if I'm in a group, oh God, like if I go into a set, I'm the only gay guy and it's a bunch of straight guys. I am like not myself when I'm in right, the green room course. and stuff because it's just ingrained in me, you know? It's like, I, you don't know because right, when that happens to you when you're a little kid. Right, but imagine being a, you know, a black kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, like, that's that's the thing. Like, we know we're mm-hmm. gay and that we feel uncomfortable. But you imagine, you know, someone walks in and they are a person of color and immediately. Absolutely. It's like you're the other these people. You know, I, I think about that all the time. But so it's interesting how that that internalized homophobia or feeling of like being out of place stays with you forever. It stays with you forever. And it's also, I call it out because that's the only way I can deal with things. I'm like, okay. And like, I even like, like I've been to parties of people and I'm like, you live in New York City and you have no gay friends. Like, I'm not okay with this. You have no people of color friends. Sorry. There's something wrong here. How's it possible? You know? Hey, everyone. You know, One of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality and they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero. Okay. Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D five zero, Judy Gold 50 to get 50% 50% off. That's code JudyGold50 at factormeals.com slash JudyGold50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. So I assume you were in 
the theater department. Did you ever have like the straight football player? Like, did you ever have the guys approach you like, listen, don't you fucking tell anyone. I want you to suck my dick. Oh, yeah. Really? It was great. Oh, my God. Tell me. Tell me. Oh, it was everything. Everything. Yes, I need Um, to know. Multiple. Multiple. Probably at least five. And they were, like, really popular, like, jockey. Just, like, mm, mm, mm. And there was, like, one who my other gay friend, he was fucking. And I, like, he, like, confided in me and told me. And I was, like, I want a little piece of that. So I went and kind of like planted my little seed. I got mine. It was great. But then it was always in. This is the part that fucks with you too. When that happens in high school, they're all in. There was this one guy particularly who was on the soccer team and shit. And he was like in, in my head, Judy, we were dating. Right. Okay? Right. Cause when we were by ourselves, we were like giggly laughing, having these moments. And then we'd like hook up and stuff. And as soon as he would blow, it was like, well, you know, I'm not gay, right? Okay, yeah, well, I'll see you later. Like, don't, no, like, don't tell anybody. I got to go. Right. And then it was like, over. And I was like, oh, okay, so your guilt's going to hit in? Right. That is trauma. Right. Especially because when you get yeah. feelings. Right. You have to, I've been on the other end of that too, where you're like with someone, they're like, no, I'm straight. It's like, no, you're not straight. Yeah, yeah. What did you just do? What do you think that is? Like, there's I mean, I'm an things. old gay. I'm an old gay. But it's like every gay guy I know has a story about the straightest person in school and them, you know, blowing each other. Well, you or, know, it still yeah. happens, too. Oh, yeah, of course. Straight guys all the time. All the time. And, but we'll are, do, do you believe stuff. they're straight? or do I you- don't. Now, here's the thing. This is at a time to... Okay, I never have been attracted to women. I've never, I never wanted to. I've never have. And at that time, gold star. It, it gold star gay. Yeah. At that time, it was you're gay or you're straight, and nobody right. was really buying into bisexuality. Right. Now, right, when right. I look back at these times and these experiences, I truly believe that a couple of these guys were bi. One, I think, is gay and was just in this super Middle Eastern family where he could right. never, could never, and will never, and is married now. And I'm I'm convinced that he is gay, but the others, I'm like, I think they're bi and that's fine, but like nobody talked about bi. Nobody right. talked about, or, or even discussed it. It wasn't an option. Are any of them with men now? Let's see. Uh, one. One did come out. Fascinating. So you know, fascinating. You know that a lot of them will come out in their 50s. Yeah, which is yeah. which is wild. There's one that's like he's married and he has kids, and I'm just like, this is wild. Okay, Judy, there's and another you, one yeah, yeah. from college who we go hard, right? Right. But it never got weird ever. Even after we'd still hang out, laugh, just go back to being friends, and it was great. And even still, he's married, and he'll like doesn't want to do it again, admits that, but will like joke about it with me, and he is like totally fine with it. And he's like, it happened, whatever. It's like, whatever. Now he's married. They have a kid. And he's just like, yeah. Like, that was something that but we But what did. do you think these wives, like, I just no wonder, do they get no laid? Do they, are they just like, That I don't know. one she did. I know for sure she did. Mm-hmm. Oh, but will they have kids? <laughs> um, okay. So you graduate high school and wait, you go to Central Michigan University. I did. Fun fact. I wanted to pursue 
arts and entertainment immediately. And my parents were like, they, we don't know. That's not our, we're in Michigan. Right, we right, don't right. know that life. So they were like, no, like you have to pick something else and then like bank on your talent and harness it through community theater and like doing other theater, but don't major in it. So that's kind of what happened there. So that's, this is kind of where teaching starts getting the seed planted. Right. So my parents as one, all they wanted was for me to be a teacher. And it's interesting because as a child and as a parent, as I, and, and as someone who chose this wonderful business of show, <laughs> I feel like I always, like, I know people who were like, my, my daughter wanted to major in art. And I was like, no, you can't. And I was like, why would you do that? Like, why right. would you do that? And I think it's always wrong, but in your case, and I right. have never felt this ever before. I feel like it was like divine intervention I in a way because- couldn't agree more, yeah. Right? This is the first time I am ever saying that because of what you do. And we'll get to that in part I two. really appreciate no, but, you saying that too, because yeah. a lot of people, I just stopped. This is like the first year that I've actually, st I stopped before then the pandemic happened, lost everything, went back to teaching. So this is the first year that I'm really not teaching. And this is the first time that I feel like a lot of comics take me seriously because you know, for so long, how it, people are like, oh, you have, a, you have a day job. All right, yeah, you're not a comic. And I'm like, you don't understand two things. One, I love it. I love, I right. love teaching just as much as I love comedy. And this right. is so fun for me. And two, it is literally making me better. Not the content, not, not the stories, not what's happening. Being in the classroom is making me a better comic every single day. Well, first of all, the material, you know, like- Speaks for you itself. Know, yeah. I don't know if you remember Andy Kaufman, um, <laughs> yes. who, would who would go and like take a job as a cab driver just to, you know, be in the world. You know, yep. like you have to be in the world. Yeah. And don't ever let a comic say you're not a real comic. You know, I supporting yourself during the day and doing stand. There's nothing wrong with that at you all. Can, you're a comic because you sit around all you sleep until three in the afternoon and complain and that you have no money. And, you know, no, sorry. Yeah. Um, that always pissed me off because I always until I could afford it. I was a typesetter and I would work during the day to make enough money for health insurance and then go out like taking care of yourself. There's nothing fucking wrong with that. You can't say the person's not an artist. Okay. Exactly. So you, what do you go think, let me ask you this. What do you think's up with that? What the fuck do you think is up with that? Cause it is still so hardly and it's so it's ingrained also, in the comics. Right. It's also because it's, I guess it's this idea of suffering. It's this idea of, you know, for my generation, the day you quit your day job was the day you were like, okay, I can pay my rent. It wasn't about, you're not a comic, you know, it was about, you know, there's this idea. And it's so funny because there's so many kids who have trust funds. Like you're a comic because your parents are rich and you don't have to work. Like that makes you a better comic. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's this idea that unless you're, you know, it's, and it's not like you're not in it a hundred percent. Do you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, yeah. So many comics had side jobs or other ways of making money or went into real estate or investing or something. And 
no, it, it that is an insecurity that is coming from the person saying it. it has nothing to do with the artist because uh, being in the world makes you a better comic. Yeah, being a part of the world, being you know, and that's why when comics, you know, they say, "Oh, he used to be so funny," and then not. It's because you're not in the world anymore. You're not dealing right. with real people anymore. You're believing this bullshit about you. You're a fucking person, and you tell jokes. The first and- person to really like dig that into me, Lou Franda, literally was like from Caroline's. He said, "You are doing something different oh than God, so many other people." So, he says that to me all the time. Really? Lou, okay, I will tell you a Louis Veranda story. I was nineteen. I was at Rutgers, I'm and I had this is amazing. <laughs> and I had won this contest at school where I got mm-hmm. to do five minutes with um, these three comics from Catch Rising Star, Adrian Tolsch, Phil Shep, and Larry Amrose. And Adrian Tolsch, I've told the story before, uh, was running the open mic nights at Catch Rising Star. And she's like, these go- these were the first, these were comics and they told me I was funny. They, like, they were like, no, you, you are funny. And so I would come, I'm 19, I would come to New York City and literally hang out till two or three in the morning trying to get on, which was, well, and I was still a college student. And Lewis was the bartender. Oh um, my God. And he was like, you're going to get on, you're going to get on, Judy. I'm telling you, you're funny. You don't, no one like you, no one like you. And so I don't know why I'm doing the bell, but um, he then became, eventually became the guy who, the, who was given everyone spots. He did the schedule there. Um, and then he, you know, went to Caroline's and I've known Lewis since I'm 19 years old and a lot of people are mad at him or, you know, whatever they used to love it, you know, because of his position, but he really knows what's funny. Cause I remember him. This is the fun. This so one time I was in my, you know, early twenties. And by the way, I used to hang out with Joy Behar's daughter because she oh was in high school. <laughs> Yeah. And Joy would come in and do sets and Eve would come with her and Eve's half Jewish. So I'll do. OK, wait, a little half a bell. And I, and Eve was the closest one to my age. So I used to like hang out with Eve. But I remember one day I was in my mid 20s, maybe. And this kid comes in, he's wearing sweatpants and a, like a T-shirt. and He looks like a big slob. And Lewis is like, he's going to be a star. And I'm like, look at him. He's in fucking sweatpants. And he's like, no, he's going to be a big star, Adam Sandler. So um, Lewis really does know talent. Uh, that's so funny. And you do do something. Don't, you know what? The thing about stand-up, you can't compare yourself to anyone because every it's everyone has A, different material, hopefully. B, their own path. I've been doing this since I'm 19. I'm 58. I'm going to be 59 in November. It is a fucking roller coaster and you have to learn how to deal with the ups, but you have to learn how to deal with the downs. The ups are like, I mean, poo, poo, poo. You just don't know. You don't know. And the only thing you can control is writing and getting on stage and doing your work and not fucking watching. Oh, that one got that. And that one got that. It's it's gotta be like, focused on your work. And yeah. the thing about you is, and then I'm going to be done kissing your ass is that you're also doing a service. You're doing a service because 
Teachers need a voice. Comedy is the most palatable way to talk about subversive topics. And you are this incredible voice for what teachers go through. I mean, it's great. And think about, I teach too. I, I actually teach a solo performance class, but think about Ted Alexandro was a teacher. There's a lot of people. And if, you know, the people always ask me in interviews, what would you do if you couldn't do this? Teacher. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with the one and only Joe Dombrowski. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast would not be possible without the help and dedication of Brittany Joe Sowards. I love Joe Dombrowski. I love teachers. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And next week is even more fantastic, if that's possible. Um, so if you love the show, which I don't know how you can't, please subscribe. Please leave a review. Please tell all your friends about it because I need more listeners. And, you know, check me out. Go to my website, judygold.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at judygold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, because I'm Jewish. Also, um, this week I will be performing in Provincetown, Massachusetts for Women's Week. And so if you're on the Cape or near the Cape, I have shows Wednesday, uh, Friday, and Sunday. I think that would be the 13th, 15th, and 17th, if I'm correct, of October. October 23rd, I'll be in Scarsdale, New York, at Jackie B's at 8.30 p.m., so get your asses there. I'm going to Florida in November. A little little, uh, worried about getting the COVID, but, uh, you know, whatever. So... Listen, be safe, be well, get your booster if you need it, wear a mask. It's going to be over soon, I think. And, you know, I just want people to be nice to each other. I mean, I'm allowed to scream and yell, but just be nice to each other because (laughs) there's a lot of shit going on and uh, we need to change everyone's fucking nasty attitude. So thank you so much for listening. I I can't thank you enough. If you're still listening right now, I love you even more than ever. Yesterday was National Coming Out Day. Happy coming out! If you're not out and you're scared, I got your back. And, um, you know, just know you're loved. And uh, happy Indigenous People Day. Well, that was yesterday, too. But whatever. It doesn't matter because who knows what day you're listening to this. So... Listen, have a wonderful, wonderful week. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be here n- next week, same time, same place. And as we always say, so long. Ga, 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 ga. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, or, it's Just Kill Me. Oh. Don't forget to turn uh, for part two on Just Kill Me. No, it's not. It's <laughs> just, just kill me. Now. No, no, Judy no. Gold's Just Kill Me. Just kill me now. Just, just kill me now. <laughs> <laughs>